Dear Church, tonight we come together to observe the Good Friday Communion service as we commemorate our Lord's suffering and crucifixion. This is not any regular Good Friday service. You see, in the past years, we focused on the suffering of Jesus on the cross to redeem mankind. But this year, as we are observing the Good Friday in the midst of COVID-19 pandemic, many of us have experienced personally the anxiety, the fear, and the sense of helplessness as we watch how the COVID-19 spike out of control in our country and around the world. So this year, in our observance of the Good Friday communion service, we can identify with Jesus' suffering better, slightly better than the previous years. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 to 13 says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in so far as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when His glory is revealed. This year, we can identify with Christ's suffering a little bit better as we go through this COVID-19 pandemic. And in the midst of all that, we gather together, we come together to observe the communion and to observe the Good Friday service. Tonight, I want to bring you to a reflection on Matthew chapter 26, verses 36 to 46, on Jesus' agony in the Garden of Gethsemane. Because I feel that for many of us, we feel like we are going through the experience of the Garden of Gethsemane, wrestling in our hearts, in emotional turmoils, pleading before God, and willingly submit to God and say, not my will, but your will be done. Matthew 26, verses 36 to 46. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little further, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping, and he said to Peter, So could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, for the second time, he went away and prayed, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words again. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Sleep and take your rest later on. See, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. Gethsemane just means oil press, the place where olive oil was pressed. 
there were many olive oils around the place in the Garden of Gethsemane. And it is in this place that Jesus took his disciples to face his most difficult trial, his most difficult challenge in his mission on earth. I'm going to share two points with you as we reflect on these scriptures. First of all, Jesus faces the cross. Jesus faces the cross with much prayer and submission. That's the whole point. Jesus faced the cross with prayer and submission. He calls us to be watchful and prayful in the face of temptation. And in the moment of agony and emotional turmoil, Jesus sensed the need for prayer. And we who are going through temptations and who are going through difficulties in life and emotionally we are in turmoil as well, we need to be drawn to prayer like Jesus. So Jesus took Peter and James and John with him and he began to prostrate before the Lord and start praying. He was in much agony. He said, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Jesus was troubled. You know, it's hard for us to imagine a holy God takes on the sins of the world on his shoulder. It is so unbearable to a holy God because he had never experienced that. And it feels like dying in his heart. It was tormenting him. And three times he prayed before the Father. In verse 39, he prayed for the first time. And then in verse 42, he prayed again. And verse 44, for the third time, he prayed the same thing. Three times. It shows the intensity of his prayer. And every time when he pleaded before God and says, if it is possible, may this cup be removed be passed from me. But three times he also responded, but nevertheless, not as I will, but as your will. His prayer to ask God to spare him from going through the cross was intense, but his willingness to submit to God the Father was equally intense. And it is based on his relationship with God the Father the perfect relationship in a triune God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. He pleaded before God and said, My Father, my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. The cup of suffering, may it pass from me. The cup that I have to go through the cross, may it pass from me. But nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. That perfect intimate relationship between God the Son and God the Father gave him that confidence to submit before the Father's will to go to the cross and to bear the sins of the world. Jesus faces the cross with prayer and submission. Secondly, I want to reflect together with you on the disciples. The disciples faces their weaknesses as Jesus faced his cross. Jesus pleaded with them and said, watch with me. In verse 38, verse 40, verse 41, three times he said, watch with me. Jesus will take the cross himself, upon himself. But he only asked the disciples to stay awake with him. That's all he asked for. He was asking for companionship. But even that, 
the disciples struggle with it. They fail. They were not able to hold up their alertness and go through that process together with Jesus. In verse 41, Jesus lamented on their struggle and said, The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. See, even in the midst of a wrestling with the agony of going to the cross, Jesus cares for his disciples. He looked at the disciples, he knows his, their weaknesses, and he empathized with them. You know, like the disciples, we are often shaken up in the midst of a crisis. See, crisis reveals our true nature. Crisis reveals our relationship with God in its truest sense. And oftentimes, when we go through the crisis, we live like one without hope. We lost our footing. And we doubt our faith in God. But by God's grace, we slowly regain our footing. And our faith begins to grow and deepen in the midst of crisis and we become stronger because our faith is being stretched in that process. Jesus had prayed and now he met his temptation with strength and dignity and he overcame it. The disciples, they had slept and now they met theirs with weakness and fear and they fell before it. And Judas betrayed Jesus, Peter denied him three times, and the rest deserted him. But you know, in the midst of all that, as we go through this crisis of COVID-19 pandemic, that maybe we have been shaken up, maybe we have doubts, maybe we have fears and driven by panic and we just respond just like the rest of the world, even though we have faith in Jesus Christ. But Jesus sympathizes with our weaknesses. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who is in every respect has been tempted as we are, and yet without sin. He never failed. Verse 16 says, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Therefore, I believe this passage speaks to us very, very relevantly as we go through our crisis as well. As we go through our Garden of Gethsemane, as we wrestle with God on the happenings around the world, as we are in deep turmoil, emotional turmoil, and wondering, how can we go through this crisis? And Jesus says, I will come and go through it together with you. So he reminds us with this exhortation that let us have confidence to draw near to the throne of grace. As we draw near to Jesus, then we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You know, a month ago, a group about 40 people from our church, we went to uh, the Holy Land uh, pilgrimage. We came to the Garden of Gethsemane. And next to the Garden of Gethsemane was a church being built, the Church of All Nations. And when you enter into that church, behind the wall on the altar was a huge mosaic painting. If you look closely, you can see the main focus is on Jesus, Jesus 
prostrating on the rock, praying, just like what the Bible says on that night when he prayed before the Father in the Garden of Gethsemane. And the three disciples were sleeping behind an olive tree at the corner, kind of in a shadow, not the highlight, but the highlight was on Jesus. Jesus was praying. And if you look up there, you see an angel in the sky. And you remember in the, in the book of Luke that mentioned that the, the angel came to strengthen Jesus as he was agonizing through that process of submitting before the Lord's will to go to the cross for mankind and to die on our behalf. But if you look further up there, almost, almost invisible, but further up there, you see in the great light of yellowish, glorious light, there was a hand holding a crown of victory. Jesus was agonizing on the ground in the Garden of Gethsemane, preparing himself to go to the cross, but on top in the sky in heavens, God the Father was preparing the crown of victory for Jesus. Through suffering, there is victory. Through suffering, there is glory. That's for Jesus. But what about the disciples? The disciples was in the shadow portray their failure behind the old olive tree. And in that mosaic painting, you see many old olive trees. But if you watch carefully, in front of those old olive trees, you see the new suits of new olive trees sprouting. I think the painter of the mosaic was trying to portray that even in failure, there is hope. Even in the failure of the disciples, there is hope of new life. New hope being sprouting through the suffering of Jesus and ultimately glorified. It is all focusing on Jesus. And Jesus gone through that process for us so that we can rise again in new life and to walk with Jesus in this difficult time. So tonight, as we come together to observe the Lord's Supper, to come together to remember Him, I want to remind you that the communion was established in the feast of Passover. See, in Matthew 26, verse 17, Jesus instructed the disciples to prepare the, the Passover meal. And in the same chapter, chapter 26, verse 25, Judas left the crowd uh, to, to uh, betray Jesus. But in verse 26, as they were eating the Passover meal, Jesus instituted the first Holy Communion for them to remember Him through generations. In the Passover uh, celebration, three foods were essential. Uh, one is the bitter herbs. Bitter herbs is there to commemorate the bitter life of the Hebrews as a slave in Egypt, to remember the suffering they have gone through. The second important food is the unleavened bread. The unleavened bread was there to commemorate the hastiness of Exodus, leaving them no time to wait for the bread to rise. So it was the unleavened bread that was consumed in this Passover meal. And thirdly, the most important is the Passover lamb. A lamb is to be slaughtered to commemorate. Commemorate the last plague 
that the Lord inflict upon Egypt to slaughter all the firstborns, the children and the animal. But the Hebrew household was spared because they slaughtered an unblemished lamb. And with the blood of the lamb, they stained it on the doorpost so that when the Lord came to strike the firstborns in the land of Egypt, and when he came upon the house of Hebrew with the blood stained on the doorpost, he will pass over that household and spare the firstborn in that household. And when they have this Passover lamb to observe and to commemorate the Passover feast, it is for that purpose that the Lord has spared them. The blood of the lamb on the doorpost has spared them from being slaughtered, the, the firstborn of the household. You know, Jesus is the sacrificial lamb. He could have taken the mutton, the lamb, and, and eat it and share it with the disciples and say, this is my body. But instead, he chooses to use the unleavened bread because when he, when he went to the cross, crucified, buried, and rise again in the third day, there is no longer, the, the sacrificial lamb is no longer needed as an animal sacrifice because Jesus changed. Jesus bring new significance and new meaning into the Passover feast by instituting the Holy Communion. That Jesus offered himself once for all as a sacrifice for sin. That there is no need for animal sacrifice anymore. The work of salvation is finished. We only need to believe in Jesus for what he has done on the cross for us and we shall be saved. So tonight, as we come together to observe the Holy Communion, I want to invite you in your respective home to take up the bread, to take up the, the, the cookies that you have prepared, the biscuit that you have prepared, and put it in your hands and be ready to observe the Holy Communion together. If possible, I want to invite you to stand from wherever you are uh, to bring our hearts together to remember the Lord. With the bread in your hand, we are reminded by Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. He says, On the night Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and said, This is my body for you. Take in remembrance of me. So tonight, let us take together to remember the Lord. The Bible says after the supper, Jesus took the cup and began to go to the second part of the Holy Communion with the drinking of the wine to remember his blood shed for us. In the Passover meal, there will be four cups of wine being drank in the whole process. The first cup is called the cup of sanctification and freedom to remember that they are freed from hard labors in Egypt. The second cup is the cup of deliverance, to remember that they are delivered from slavery in Egypt. And the third cup is the cup of redemption, to commemorate 
the passing through the Red Sea and being saved from the pursuing uh, chariots of Pharaoh. And then the fourth cup is the cup of thanksgiving and hope because when they go through the Red Sea, they will be establishing a new nation. We believe it is in the third cup, the cup of redemption, that Jesus took the cup and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood for the forgiveness of sins. And as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. So before we drink this cup, I want to ask you to observe a moment of prayer before God and ask God to forgive our sins. If we have sins against people and against uh, God, that he will forgive us as we remember that this cup is for the forgiveness of sins. Let us spend a moment before the Lord. Lord, we are so thankful that you have drawn us together to observe the communion, even in the midst of COVID-19 pandemic. And we identify your suffering a little bit better tonight. And as we drink this cup in preparation, asking for forgiveness of sins, we know that you have heard our prayers and you will forgive because you are faithful and righteous. So as we come before you, Lord, we just want to drink this cup with, with a grateful heart for the works of redemption that you have done on the cross. Thank you and praise you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. By the shedding of his blood, his substitutional death on the cross, that a new covenant is cut for the forgiveness of sin. Let us drink to remember the Lord together. As we are still standing together, I want to invite our congregations to pray together because we dismiss. Pray together for the crisis that we are going through right now. Pray for COVID-19, that we are able to flatten the curve, we are able to bend the curve, that God will have mercy upon our nations. Pray for the medical personnel that God will protect them. Pray for those who are infected, that they will be restored in health. Pray for those who are still fearful, anxious, panicky, and pray that God's peace will come to them and in the midst of fear and panic and anxiety that they will call upon the name of the Lord. Because the cross behind us where Jesus was hung 2,000 years ago, his substitutional death on the cross, that when we call upon his name, the Bible says we shall be saved and the peace of God will reign in our hearts. Pray for those who are vulnerable, the seniors, the children, the pregnant, those with pre-existing medical conditions. Pray for our neighbors and pray for us as a church and how we can be a blessing, how we can be light and salt of the community, even in the midst of a crisis of COVID-19 pandemic. Let's spend a moment to pray individually together for the needs around the world.
Our Lord Jesus, as we come together in commemorating your death, your burial, and your resurrection, as we come together to be blessed by your presence, to be encouraged by your grace and salvation, Lord, we remember those who are without hope, without Christ in their hearts. Father, we pray for their salvation, that their eyes can be opened in the midst of a crisis, and they will remember to call upon the name of the Lord, the Savior of the world, the Creator of the universe. Father, as we come together, we want to pray for the medical personnel, that you will protect them so that they can continue to provide medical services, medical care to those who are infected. We pray for those infected, that, Lord, you will restore their health. Father, we pray, more importantly, for another infection that is fear. And fear is infectious. And, and, and fear is contagious. And many people are still fearful. And because of the social distancing, Lord, we feel separated, isolated, and lonely. Father, we pray that in the midst of loneliness and isolation that you will come upon our hearts and call upon us to be connected with our Lord Jesus in submission, in surrender of our will, but to do your will. Lord, we ask that even as we observe the Good Friday communion service tonight, that Lord, our faith will be rekindled. Our love for Jesus will be rekindled. And we will continue to live by faith and not by sight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Brothers and sisters, I want to remind you that this is not the end. We must come back on Sunday. As the story goes beyond Friday's crucifixion and burial. And Saturday is a day of silence, as if nothing happened, as if this is the end. But come Sunday, early in the morning, the tomb burst forth. The power of resurrection, the glorious light shines forth because Jesus rose from the dead. And therefore we have hope of celebration. So I want to invite you to come back on Sunday with great anticipation for the Lord's Day as we celebrate Easter Sunday, the resurrection of our Lord Jesus. And before you go, let me bless you. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Heavenly Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all now and forever in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you all. Have a great evening.